And that music can only mean one thing. The Delaware Valley Journal is on the air. The official podcast of DelawareValleyJournal.com where we cover Bucks, Chester, Delaware, and Montgomery counties. I am Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Our very own Linda Stein, the news editor at Delaware Valley Journal, is on as well. Linda, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Michael? I'm great. We're going to have Kathy Barnett on the podcast. She is always a lot of fun. So, Linda Stein, your takeaways from what we've seen in the past two weeks since the primary. Uh, I had been thinking that there would be a little bit of a break from politics, but that was not to be. We, we have uh, the recount going on yes. for the Senate race. And then for the governor's race, there are already uh, some very nasty commercials running against the Republican nominee, Senator Doug Mastriano. You know, it was always the political uh, co- uh, consensus that uh, State Senator Mastriano was going to be stronger in the heartland of the state and weaker in you know the Philly and Pittsburgh regions. And I just think that this, I, the last number I saw was $6 million of ad spending right out of the gate before Mastriano can raise any money or go up on TV. It's just going to be, he's, the Democrats are going to try very hard to make him a radioactive candidate in the Delaware Valley, particularly with suburban women. Definitely. They seem to be trying to define him on his position on abortion. Um, And, and he doesn't have a chance to uh, get the other issues out there. So people could get a, a fair look at him. Well, you know, then that's a very uh, astute observation, Linda, to note, he doesn't need to get his message out on abortion because he's going to lose that conversation in Pennsylvania. The fact is that a relatively small number of uh, people in the state support his position of a ban on all abortions. But if he can turn the conversation to other topics, other issues like inflation, uh, energy costs, et cetera, maybe that can be a thing. And speaking of turning the conversation to other topics, look who's joined us. It's Kathy Barnett, former Republicans candidate for U.S. Senate. Hey guys, can y'all uh, see me okay? We can, but we're just using audio. It's just for a podcast, but we love looking at you because you look oh. lovely. Love the hair. Very nice. <laughs> nice change. My spring. We open up the pool and this is my my pool hair. Well, it looks it's looking good. And I love your Kathy Barnett for Senate 2024 sign right behind you. I that is what that is, isn't it? <laughs> Very oh, fashionable. <laughs> Yeah. is asking me are you gonna run in 2024 exactly. i'm like i'm like the woman who just gave birth to a nine pound baby <laughs> <laughs> i'm not thinking about having any more babies let's just wait and see what happens well thank you for joining us on the podcast uh that's a fascinating view of 2024 i'm curious about what your two or three takeaways as as a movement conservative someone who you know you're involved in ideas first politics second what should your fellow movement conservatives take away from your experience as a candidate this year? One, that the swamp does not just consist of Democrats. There are Republicans in there as well. Okay. <laughs> uh, two, uh, if we want to talk about election integrity, we have to go beyond just voter IDs and getting rid of uh, no excuse mail-in ballots. We also have to take a very strong look at partisan journalism. Um, If I'm thinking about a takeaway from my election, we would have won, except for those last five days. We had a number of 
those who are allegedly conservative um, come pulling out the long knives, spreading lies. On Friday evening, they were telling my constituents I was a member of Black Lives Matter. And three days later on Monday, they were telling the same people I was marching with white supremacists. Uh, they didn't have to prove anything. They just needed to throw out, um, create a cloud of ambiguity. Right. And I believe that that cloud of ambiguity suppressed uh, those votes that were going to come to me. And that is a problem. That is suppressing right. my vote and stealing, quite frankly, the election. Uh, just the same as conservatives want to talk about any other kind of um, election integrity uh, concern. So we, we have to have a more expanded conversation of what it looks like to have election integrity in this country. Um, third is that um, Americans, mm -hmm. the people, not talking about politicians, but Americans, we need to do better. I believe we can do better. Um, what do you mean believe, by that? Do better at what well, could be more specific? Yeah. Um, just all of this. Look at where we are. Our nation is in trouble. I mean, oh my goodness. And it's not just, you know, inflation. It's not okay. just open borders. It's not just, um, you know, the lack of baby formula, right? A whole segment of our population who are starving right now. It's not just sending $40 billion over to Ukraine so that they can buy weapons. And yet there, there is this concerted effort to remove all weapons um, our firearms from law-abiding citizens. It's not just that our nation, our world feels more unsafe today than it ever has before. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's all of the above. And the reason why, um, you know, these politicians, you know, we have a tragedy as we saw in Texas. I mean, I'm a mama bear, have two young kids who are in um, high school and middle school. I just cannot imagine. My right. heart goes out to these parents. And yet, what are our quote unquote leaders doing? They're coming before the American people with regurgitated slick talking points. Um, the same exact talking points we've heard uh, in the last school shooting and in the school shooting before that and in the school shooting before that. And yet our babies continue to be slaughtered. Um, there are real solutions and yet uh, politicians are allowed to come in front of us with these slick talking points right. or they yes. are or uh, because the people do not require more or better of them. We need to get educated ourselves so that we're not so easily manipulated. Kathy, you said there are real solutions. Uh, what are some of those solutions you were thinking of? For which of the issues? I mentioned several. Well, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was thinking inflation. of the guns the, and the, the school shooting. Yeah. I mean, again, every time I think about it, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, I cannot imagine my heart just breaks for them. And especially as we're learning, you know, how the police, I don't know, um, but from what I'm reading, the police officers um, hesitated significantly. And as a result, more babies were murdered. Um, so if you're talking about real solutions, I do not believe it starts with um, unarming uh, law-abiding citizens. Uh, what is a prerequisite to be a criminal? Pause, think about it. One is that you don't follow the law. And so uh, when we have politicians, lawmakers who come out saying, oh, we're going to create another law, 
who are they really writing that law for? Law-abiding citizens or those who don't follow the law? So I don't believe, so if you unarm law-abiding citizens, now just the criminals have the, uh, have the weapons. Um, two, um, you know, we did 1,500 miles a week all across Pennsylvania. And one of my takeaways is that our people feel squeezed. People feel very squeezed, unnerved, insecure. And I believe that that has created, um, you know, has exacerbated mental health issues in our country. Um, I had uh, a consortium of doctors on my political team and two of whom were um, psychiatrists. And they would tell me all the time that if someone wanted to book an appointment with them, they they couldn't. They had to put it out, you know, uh, stretch it out uh, for months even because they had more clients than they know to do to deal with. A lot of those clients are young or younger and younger. Um, you know, so when so we have a very real mental health issue in this country and we're not really addressing that issue. Um, also, I, I, I can't walk away without, you know, commenting on the fact that we have a vacuum of common morals and values in this country. There's a book called. Um, I read it years ago. Uh, it's an anthropology book, but it is. Um, trying to see if I can find it real quick on my shelf, but um, a culture, one of the terms he uses is a culture of poverty, that poverty is not just measured in dollars and cents, um, as most politicians <laughs> measure it, right? Somebody's poor, let's just give them money, and we think that's going to solve the issue, but there's a culture of poverty, culture meaning the way we think, the way we act, the way we uh, move about, is just broke, it's bank, our nation is bankrupt. We're loud, we're boisterous, but we're broke, we're bankrupt. Um, we have lost those common identifying um, values that bring us together as a nation. And, um, and I believe it's very intentional. And, um, and as we continue to move away from that, that America just means whatever you want it to mean and that we don't have this unifying sense of values that unite us and traditions, um, you know, like there should be a father in the home and that we have far too many broken families. Um, you know, these are values right. that, that have made us stronger, not weaker as a nation. Kathy, um, you had just mentioned uh, how how arduous the campaign was, like delivering a nine pound baby, you said, but already the eyes are turning to who's going to run against um, Senator Casey. Would you consider doing that? Again, it's like asking a woman who just gave birth to nine pound baby, are you going to have another child? <laughs> it's like, I just finished this, right? Um so who knows? Um, I did not consider running for this seat until I did, right? It wasn't, you know, I've, I've often said I um, running for political office was never something that was on my bucket list of things to do um, until it was uh, something for me to do because I believe our nation is groaning for better people. <laughs> well, you um, mentioned that you haven't uh, focused on the next election it actually could be argued that you're still in the middle of this one because as far as i understand you have not endorsed anyone going forward you haven't said if you plan to support the republican nominee so two questions 
do you plan to support the eventual Republican nominee? And what would your advice be to Dave McCormick? We, we have an op-ed coming out from Dom Giordano, the local radio host who writes for Delaware Valley Journal. Thank you, Dom. And he's urging uh, Mr. McCormick to just drop the lawsuits about the undated envelope, you know, the, the undated uh, ballots. Just don't do that. Move, move ahead. Do the recount with the ballots you've got. What are your thoughts having gone through this big fight? Yeah. I mean, Pennsylvania, what a hot mess. <laughs> Our election system. <laughs> after almost two, after, no, over two weeks now, and we still don't know who the nominee is, right? Mm -hmm. Who's going to uh, represent the Republican Party and the general election. Uh, that's a problem. Um, a couple of things. What am I thinking? One, over 330,000 Pennsylvanians came out and voted for me. There were a lot of lies that were told in those last five days. And I think one of the things that should be clear, I know that I've done my part to make it clear, is that I embellish on absolutely nothing about my journey in life. Not one jot, not one tittle did I um, exaggerate on. My life is exactly as I've said that it is. And yet there are a lot of people uh, who fell prey to the lies. Um, you know, there were conservatives who knew that some people within our base are pretty gullible and they exploited that. Um, and, uh, but nonetheless, over 330,000 Pennsylvanians refused to be fooled, right. refused to be bamboozled. And they came out and they cast a vote for me. Um, you know, we spent less than $2 million and I got almost a third of the vote, right? Like the other two didn't get a third. So let's just <laughs> right. break it up evenly. You know, I mean, three almost even buckets of votes. And so they did not blow us out of the water at all. And I believe that those 330,000 plus Pennsylvanians who voted for me, they did so by taking a very hard pivot from what the Republican influencers were trying to get them to do, even President Trump. <laughs> there are a lot of Trumpers, myself included, who, uh, you know, did not agree with what the with who the president was putting in front of us. And they did a very hard pivot and came to me. My loyalty is to those 330,000 plus Pennsylvanians okay. and to those 330,000 plus Pennsylvanians only. I owe no one nothing other than those who came out and voted for me. And so I believe that they voted for me because they wanted America first. Kathy, and so when I, mm -hmm. oh, did you ask President Trump for his endorsement? Uh, I, I, I reached out and, um, and I tried to get in front of the president. He would not take my phone call or meet with me. I believe he had his mind made up on who it is he wanted. And we tried desperately to make sure that he recognized, since he's not from here and doesn't live here in Pennsylvania, wanted to make sure that he understood what his right. base was interested in. And so when I look at, you know, what these people who the people who came out and voted for me, what they wanted, they wanted America first. And so um, I am not obligated to do anything other than what I believe they wanted. And so I look forward to sitting down with whoever should prevail out of this process and making sure that their values are truly America first. They say they are, they are America first, although there's nothing in their history that tells us that, but they say it. And so I intend to vet them, right? All that rigorous vetting <laughs> that they said they wanted to do of me. I intend to vet them 
and to uh, make sure that they are truly America first. Because, um, you know, again, President Trump is not God. He's not Jesus. He gets to be wrong. <laughs> and he's wrong on that endorsement. Uh, but now we are going to have to, you know, as far as America first, I believe. But now we're going to have to, you know, we're going to be stuck with one or the other. And so when I we get to, to the end, though, are you... Are, are you going to encourage people to vote Republican or are you going to encourage them to not vote? Are you going to encourage them to go either way? I'm going to encourage them to learn to think um, so that the next time uh, they are not fooled and that they understand what is at stake. Like I said, I look forward to sitting down with whomever should um, prevail uh, out of this uh, Republican primary as the winner of the primary, I look forward to, um, to, you know, to vetting and making sure that they are truly America first. And if they are America first, I would throw all my support behind them. And I think that that is very reasonable. And for those who aren't comfortable with that, quite frankly, they can go kick rocks. I could care less. Um, my, my loyalty, I'm sorry, Linda, my loyalty is to the 330,000 plus Pennsylvanians. And I believe that those people want America first. And I, and I find it, you know, I'm, I find it a little bit, you know, incredulous that you will have those who will say, well, hey, she's not, she's not emphatically that she's going to support someone that's not right. Listen, I, I believe we have gone as far down this road of picking people who will have a warm body and are next to their name and call that a Republican. We have very real issues. We need uh, people who are very serious and who will actually represent. And because no, not, none of us, all three of us, um, didn't blow it out the waters emphatically, that means there's a large segment of the population who truly want America first principles. And I will not sell that off to, you know, uh, to any old body. I want to make sure that they will truly put America's interests first. And if right. that's not enough for people, then I don't really know what to tell you. Kathy, you had campaigned uh, with the Republican gubernatorial candidate, Doug Mastriano. Um, is, it, is his strong stance on America first? Is that why you endorse him? And would you uh, give him any advice now that he's the nominee to uh, moderate a bit? I, um, I mean, we would be so blessed, so fortunate to um, have the good sense to elect Doug Mastriano um, as our next governor. I mean, we would only be blessed as a nation uh, or as a state if we did that. Um, so it is my hope that people will get out of their emotions and focus on what you talk about at your kitchen table. Um, and I doubt you know, there's a lot of negative ads that are coming out against him. I don't think those are the issues people are talking about at their kitchen table. I think people, and if you're not, if you, if you're not talking about real issues today, you will by November because there is no pause on this inflation. There's no pause on the gas prices. There is no answers that the uh, Biden administration is offering us on the lack of food for our babies. 
Um, and so we have very real issues. Those issues are only going to exacerbate between now and November. And I am hopeful that our people in Pennsylvania will get out of their emotions, put on their thinking caps and vote for someone who will address the very real issues that we are contending with, right? Um, and so I supported him uh, during, I supported him before I ran uh, for, for Senate. I supported him during my Senate run and I will continue. And one of the reasons, one of the things I looked at before I endorsed uh, Senator Mastriano is that during those two years that Governor Wolf was, and, and Dr. Levin was sticking COVID-19 positive patients inside of nursing homes, it was really only Governor uh, Senator Mastriano that I saw uh, showing up at right. these events that I was holding in Montgomery County and others putting a spotlight on it. When Governor Wolf was shutting down businesses and schools, it was really only uh, Senator Mastriano that I saw constantly out there putting a spotlight on it. When, when, when our election started having some very serious issues, whether you like it or not, it was Senator Mastriano that I saw out there stomping the pavement, putting a spotlight. So for me, it's not about emotions. It's about when I needed help the most, who was willing to stand up for me. And it was Senator Mastriano. And I believe that is the kind of leadership that we are uh, thirsty for, <laughs> um, quite frankly, and uh, not just in the Commonwealth, but in our nation. And so again, we can only be so right. blessed if the people of Pennsylvania <laughs> will elect them. So, but one last question, people, there are people who are arguing that uh, whether you agree or disagree with Senator Mastriano, the fact is he's a pretty deep red guy in a pretty purpley state. Do you have concerns that he may be too solidly on the right to get mo more moderate voters to join in, in, in inside with him? Is uh, our Republican uh, gubernatorial candidate for Senate. What is the option? Uh, little Josh Shapiro, <laughs> who is probably going to be even, I mean, I, I predict worse than Wolf. Uh, so what are our options? And so we need to be very, very, very clear. Uh, my hope is that you know when I went into this, even as a as a Senate candidate, my hope was that our people had learned a very valuable lesson of what kind of leadership they truly want and need. Um, and I believe the people were making a very solid decision until those last five days when outsiders came in with lie, lies and long knives and put their finger on the scale. And, um, but I am continuing to hope that Pennsylvanians will remember um, what it felt like these past two years under uh, Wolf of closing down our businesses, deciding some people are more valuable or more essential than others. Uh, he doesn't get to make that decision. And so regard, you know, prioritize your life. Uh, what's most important? Um, quite frankly, when it comes to the topic of life, I'm very grateful that our country is having this much needed conversation about uh, the value of life, especially the value of those lives that are some of the most innocent among us. Um, and I am so grateful that Doug Mastriano is uh, unequivocally pro-life. Uh, whether you agree with it or not, um, most, most of your audience by now would know my story of being a byproduct of rape. Uh, my mother was 11 years old. I had nothing to do with how I was conceived 
absolutely nothing. And yet there I was. And I am a human today, but guess what? I was a human then in my mother's womb. And I'm so grateful that there were people around my very young mom who was advocating for my life. And so I think it's a great thing. I don't think it's something that we should shy away from uh, having that conversation. And granted, there are going to be some people who don't like um, our opinion on it. (laughs) And that's okay. In America, we get to agree to not agree on some things, but uh, I believe people need to um, grow up and uh, stop being so gullible, begin to reprioritize your life of what's most important to you. Um, and I believe that there are issues that we we agree on more things than we disagree on. And I'm very hopeful that people will remember that between now and November. Listen, we really appreciate We are grateful to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much, Kathy Barnett. And we look forward to Barnett 2024 for president. Why mess with Pennsylvania? Straight to the White House, Kathy. No. <laughs> I can tell you that real clear. No. <laughs> thank you oh so much, God. Kathy. Bye-bye. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Michael. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Delaware Valley Journal on the air. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with your friends, post it on social media. And if you haven't, sign up for our twice a week newsletter so you don't miss any of the terrific content from DelawareValleyJournal.com. Thanks again. I'm your host, Michael Graham.